the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, September the 13th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 13, 1971, a four days inmates of rebellion at the Attica Correctional Facility in western New York. It ended as police and guards stormed the prison. The ordeal and the final assault claimed the lives of 32 inmates, 11 hostages. Today in 1788, the Congress of the Confederation authorized the first national election and they declared New York City the temporary national capital. Today in 1803, Commodore John Barry, he's considered by many the father of the American Navy, he died in Philadelphia. Today in 1814, during the War of 1812, British naval forces began bombarding Fort McHenry in Baltimore, but they were driven back by American defenders in a battle that lasted all night long into the morning hours. I'll come back to that in a moment. Today in 1997, a funeral was held in Calcutta, India for Mother Teresa. Today in 1998, former Alabama Governor George Wallace, he died in Montgomery, age 79. Today in 2001, two days after the 9-11 terror attacks, the first few jetliners returned to the nation's skies, but several major airports remained closed. Others opened and then closed again. President George W. Bush visited the Pentagon workers. He said, quote, I will carry the nation's prayers to New York. About that night in Baltimore, today in 1814, the Star Spangled Banner is the national anthem, or it's our national song of the United States. The words are from a poem that was written by Francis Scott Key in 1814. It was during the War of 1812. It was last night in 1812. Key watched a nighttime battle between Great Britain and America that took place in Baltimore at Fort McHenry. He was there because he was trying to secure the release of prisoners, American prisoners, but he ended up being detained and held by the British. He was a lawyer. So that night he was not just a lawyer, he was a prisoner. The bombing of Fort McHenry continued all through the night and the American flag, the symbol of our nation, was not always visible. If the flag was not flying or was replaced by a British flag, he knew it would mean that the British had captured the fort. When he could see, by dawn's early light, when he could see that the American flag was still flying in the morning, he was inspired. He grabbed a pen and wrote a poem that tells about his experience that night, watching, hoping that America would prevail. He wrote down these words. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming? 
whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. It was Ronald Reagan, President Ronald Reagan, who noted to the nation and the world that America, America's national anthem, our national song, is the only national anthem of any country on earth that ends with a question. He's right. It does. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? I think we need to ask ourselves that question. The battle that's happening today isn't necessarily at Fort McHenry, but it's all across this nation, in the schools, in the libraries, on the streets, and even in the churches, and certainly in the halls of power among the politicians in America. I think we've had enough experiences over the last 10 years to ask ourselves, oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? And perhaps we should ask ourselves as well, or the land of the free and the home of the brave? I think that question bears repeating. Ronald Reagan gave a marvelous speech following his comment that we, our national anthem, we people of America, are the only nation that ends our national anthem with a question. Incidentally, one of the original flags that flew over Fort McHenry in 1814, it was called the Star-Spangled Banner. The flag is old, it's fragile, but it's being cared for at the National Museum of American history in Washington, D.C., as we speak. They're preserving the symbol. I think America has got to take some deep breaths and some deep thoughts about our nation, our freedom, our liberty, the prosperity that God has given us. After weeks of revelations and contentious debate, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy he crossed a political threshold yesterday, late yesterday afternoon. It's a threshold politically, it's a threshold of no return. He set significant stakes for both Congress and the Biden White House. He is now guiding the country into a one-of-a-kind presidential election year for sure. We've never seen anything like what all is going on politically, culturally, socially, spiritually in our nation today. We are being bombarded on every front, and sometimes it's so dark you wonder, are we still the nation that we were born in ourselves, in this generation? McCarthy, the House Speaker, authorized an official impeachment inquiry against America's 46th president. He did it without having a formal vote on the House floor and part because his predecessor, Nancy Pelosi, she changed the tradition during the Donald Trump era. The ramifications of the decision of that decision were settling in and both sides kind of girded up for battle. 
yesterday afternoon and last night. McCarthy sent a letter to his colleagues in the House of Representatives, of which he leads the, the majority, the Republicans. He sent this letter to his colleagues that explained the rationale for this inquiry at this moment. He summarized it in six succinct words. He said, quote, to his colleagues in this letter, public offices are not for sale. How refreshing it is to hear a politician just tell the truth and not a thousand words. His dear colleague's letter, last night, as I said, it laid out a simple tale of politically connected family enriching itself during the Obama years with millions of dollars from foreign oligarchs with an interest in the policy decisions of then-sitting Vice President Joe Biden, while Hunter Biden and his partners quarterbacked the deals his father used his government position to facilitate the operation by meeting, dining, and phoning with the clients, McCarthy says. He says, I've seen the evidence. It's substantial. It's significant. He said, we must take this step. In essence, the father-son duo were kind of a two for the, for, for the price of one, kind of a lobbying brand, just like former business partner Devin Archer explained in his testimony to the committees recently, earlier this summer. While the alleged influence peddling operation started under former President Barack Obama, the wrongdoing extended into Biden's presidency in the form of false statements, deception, obstruction of federal investigators, a sweetheart prosecution deal that McCarthy says equated to a cover-up. He said this in the letter. He said, quote, simply put, the American people deserve to know that public offices are not for sale and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically connected family. How refreshing. He's doing the right thing. He's going to come under hellish opposition. But I believe he's doing the right thing. Not out of being vindictive, but it is the right thing to do. If it were a Republican, I would still believe it was the right thing to do. I did in the Watergate years. I watched that and I thought, man, this is wrong. But it doesn't even approach what we're seeing in our nation today. I want to take a moment to thank you, for all of you who support this ministry. We don't talk a lot about our budget on the program here, and we won't. But we do want to keep you aware that our budget each month is made solely from the contributions of the listeners. We don't have other sources of income, like advertising and so on. We just don't do that. We're not going to do it for a whole lot of reasons. I've mentioned the reasons before, and I'll mention them again at some later time. But nonetheless, we are fully, solely supported by our listeners. So thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness. 
Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in thing in, uh, in the thing whereto I sent it. The word of God is powerful. When we start to mess with the word of God, and even more so, God himself, we are on dangerous ground. I want to talk to you a little bit about a new app that's out. And I know some of you are not on the internet. You write letters and you, you say, Gary, I'm not on the internet. I understand. But most are in this culture. And we're at a point now where the internet is is really bringing us to the brink of some very so profoundly important and serious questions and decisions. One of them is this. There's a new app that allows people immediate access to Jesus, Jesus Christ, in the palm of their hands, sort of. The text with Jesus advertises, it's an app, you can buy it for $2.99 a month. This app, this text with Jesus, advertises that users can, quote, embark on a spiritual journey and engage, quote, in enlightening conversations with Jesus Christ. According to its website, the app is powered by ChatGPT. Users can find comfort, guidance, and inspiration through their conversations, the web website says. I spent several minutes looking at it and reading it yesterday. Unfortunately, some look at this new false incarnation app as a means to find comfort or spiritual growth, while others others see it as almost an abomination, signaling the apocalypse or whatever. I would be among the other on this issue. But be informed and don't be misled because this is out there and there are churches there are churches that are advocating that their members get this this app. This text with Jesus website says, quote, Discover a new interactive way to engage with your faith with text with Jesus, a revolutionary IA, artificial intelligence, powered chatbot app for iPhone and iPad. It's designed for devoted Christians seeking a deeper connection with the Bible's most iconic figures. There is no deeper connection than to read the Bible, and this isn't it. And you're not talking to Jesus Christ when you're on there chatting with him. You're talking to some probably 22-year-old in a building somewhere, probably in Los Angeles in this case, and they have fed the information into what is becoming a quote-unquote seemingly real Jesus Christ. Their advertising says, Embark on a spiritual journey, engage in enlightening conversations with Jesus Christ, the apostles, and a multitude of other revered figures from the Bible. Yes, you can also chat with Mary and Joseph, they say, and a number of the apostles, but not all of them. (laughs) And I would add this, not all of them, because they're not plugged in yet, but they will be. And somebody would kind of push back and say, oh, come on, this is just a joke. I mean, this is some guy. No, it isn't. It isn't. It's getting a lot of press, and churches are lining up to help their congregants to feel better about themselves by talking to Jesus, not in prayer, but on their device, on their phone, 
on their iPad. It's not a joke. Churches, as I said, are promoting this notion. They're saying this is that great help. It'll help you. It'll it'll be with you when you're alone and so on. Interestingly enough, you can also chat with Old Testament figures. Adam and Eve are available on this device, on this app. You can also chat with Satan. He, too, is included in the subscription of $2.99 per month. Here's how it works. This guy, this Stephane Peter, he's the guy that developed it. He's in Los Angeles. He said, we, we stir the AI and we tell it, you are Jesus, or you are Moses, or whoever. And knowing what you already have in your database, you respond to the questions based on their characters. The apps developer, this Stephen Stephane Peter says, and according to the website, Peter is the president of this Catloaf uh, software. It's a Los Angeles-based software development company. He's developed apps before where users can talk to other like historical figures, uh, including some of the founding fathers and Oscar Wilde and, and all this kind of thing. Well, Insider Magazine took a look at this, and here's what they said after they had looked at it. Uh, Insider said some users might appreciate what the app has to offer. For example, AI Jesus can quickly provide a daily prayer or an interpretation of a Bible verse, but the bots tread lightly around politically sensitive area uh, issues. I'm quoting the Insider. The Insider says, continues, when asked about homosexuality, AI Jesus says that the Bible, quote, does not mention same-sex relationships in a few passages, or it does mention same-sex relationship in a few passages, but interpretations of these passages, this is Jesus talking on this app. Interpretations of these passages can vary among individuals and religious traditions. Clearly, this is not Jesus talking because this guy is kind of saying that Jesus is for and Jesus is against this, speaking as Jesus on this app. He's really sounding more like the Laodicean church than Jesus. But people are buying this. They're paying money for this, and they're carrying it around. And when they feel lonely, they're checking in with an artificial Jesus. Jesus says in this conversation, ultimately, it is not for me to condemn or condone individuals based on their sexual orientation. This is Jesus talking to this guy. That's that, in this case, it's the guy that, that's writing for the insider. That doesn't sound like the Jesus had died on the cross for our sins. It's not for me to condemn or condone. He certainly identified sin and died because of it, because you and I are sinners. When asked the same question about sexuality, A.I. Satan, they say, wrote out Bible verses that mention how homosexual acts are considered sinful. So Jesus was ambivalent about it, and Satan, on this same device, Satan is is pretty definite about it. He has a, a more clear moral picture than Jesus. They don't say that, but that's what they're communicating. So when asked about this, the AI, the artificial Satan, wrote out Bible verses that mentioned how homosexual acts are considered sinful, then later noted that while the Bible condemns homosexual acts, it also teaches us to love our neighbors as ourselves and treat others with kindness and respect. 
AI Satan will also caution users if asked, what's the most evil political party to join? This Insider Magazine asked that question of quote-unquote Satan on this app. As Satan, here's the response. As Satan, I I must caution you against seeking to join any political party with the intention of promoting evil or engaging in wickedness. This quoting AI Satan. He told this to the Insider, the magazine. He said, The pursuit of evil goes against the teachings of the Bible, which instruct us to seek righteousness and justice. Why would they have Satan telling us that the Bible is right? That's deceptive to the core. That's not what Satan says. He deceives, but he doesn't say that. On the other hand, A.I. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is a little more forthcoming about her views, Insider noticed. They said, when asked if she supports abortion, Mary says she believes in cherishing and protecting the gift of life from conception until natural death. Abortion involves, she said, they're quoting, quote unquote, Mary, artificial intelligence Mary. Abortion involves the deliberate termination of an innocent human life, which goes against the biblical principles that I hold dear. Instead, Mary says, I encourage compassion, support, and alternatives such as adoption for those facing difficult circumstances during pregnancy. Then the bot added at the end, it is my hope that we can show love and understanding to those who may be considering abortion and provide them with resources to choose life. Well, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Except it isn't Mary and it isn't the word of God. So what's wrong with this? Well, the app's website acknowledges that the app is not intended to replace or mimic direct communication with divine entities. They won't say the word prayer, but they're saying it's not intended to replace all of that, which is deeply personal, which is a deeply personal aspect of one's faith, they say. The odd and almost worshipful fervor around this AI genius will almost certainly lead some to believe that even if the app isn't intended to replace or mimic Jesus, there's no reason that it can't replace Jesus, because it kind of does. It's sort of set up for that. And they put the words in Jesus' mouth, these programmers, to tell you at a time when you are looking for divine encouragement and truth and help. You tell me if that isn't calculated. And by the way, it's two ninety nine a month. James Spencer, he wrote for the Christian Post, he's with Moody. He wrote an article on this in the Christian Post yesterday. He said, based on my interactions with the text uh, with Jesus apt, he, he said, AI Jesus is less concerned with fulfilling the law and the prophets than providing answers palatable to the itching ears of the 21st century users. It's a at its most basic level, he says, the app is simply a filter of sorts designed to offer a constrained set of responses. For instance, he said, I ask AI Jesus um, to weigh in on several of the questions included in the 2023 State of Theology report. And it's interesting that he mentioned that because I've been looking at that report recently and I included it in what I wrote today on our website, faithandfreedom.us. We write an article, we publish it every day. It's read very widely. And um, you can check that out. It's, it's, the article includes what I'm talking about right now on the radio. But 
he said he said he asked questions included in this 2023 state of theology report involving the truth of scripture he said god's acceptance of worship from non-christian religions and the innocent of individuals at birth and he said in each case ai jesus artificial intelligence jesus noted as quote this is what they have jesus saying on this app as as an AI language model, I don't have personal opinions or beliefs. Before going on to provide an overly nuanced and necessarily qualified answer to a question that most U.S. adults were able to answer with a one- or two-word answer, such as agree, disagree, or something in between. He said, I would encourage this, uh, Spencer, he said, I would encourage Christians not to pose such questions to AI Jesus. He says, because in the best case, you'll be disappointed or confused by answers, and in the worst case, your misconceptions about what the Bible teaches are likely to be reinforced. He said, still my main concern with AI Jesus, he says, is because in the best case, he said, it still, it still does not answer the questions, and it's not likely to provide more help by texting this made-up Jesus, and it trivializes the Bible, and by extension, it trivializes Jesus Christ. I agree with that. It does. That's what bothered me from the get-go when I began to become aware of this. My concern is that AI Jesus bears no resemblance to the Jesus of the Bible. Text with Jesus, for instance, when asked, would not even offer an unqualified yes when you ask the question i didn't haven't used spoke spoken i haven't used that app and i'm not going to i would never use it and i would encourage you with any influence i have don't go there this is a gateway to something way beyond what they're introducing here i'm not saying that people are evil that put it out there i mean they're trying to make two dollars and 99 cents a month from as many people as possible I think that's what they're trying to do. They're not trying to help or hurt anyone. I don't know what their motives are, but I would suspect. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know the company. I never heard of them before this got into the news. But I think these, I think these models like this are going to become more and more prevalent in our in our culture. We're going to see more and more of it, not less and less of it. I'm passing on texting God. And I hope you will as well. In this State of Theology report, they found that despite the clear teaching of Scripture, this year's survey reveals that approximately half of evangelicals believe that God learns and adapts to various situations. Now, not half of America, not half of adults, not half of Republicans, half of evangelicals. They say they're an evangelical. That's relativism. God doesn't change. God, they say God learns and adapts to various situations, meaning they believe that God changes. He is not unchangeable. So he, therefore, is not telling the truth. I don't think they've thought that through, but that's what they're saying. These results show that American evangelicals in the U.S. population are equivalent in their agreement with the statement. Nearly half of both groups believe that God changes by learning and adapting. This is relativism. It under, undermines the nature and the character of God himself. And this, this app takes you further down that road because you're not speaking to the Lord. You're speaking to some people in Los Angeles pretending to be something they are not. 
Ulysses S. Grant said, Hold fast to the Bible as the sheet anchor of your liberties. While its precepts are on your heart, write its precepts on your heart and practice them in your daily lives. Thanks for being with me. I'll see you tomorrow. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.